Music Talk brings you Joe Bouchard. The original bass man for Blue Oyster Cult has just released American Rocker. Not only do we go deep into the new disc, but Joe opens up about auditioning for Clive Davis, mixing monitors for the Ramones, getting songwriting tips from Ian Hunter, and the possibility of rejoining BOC as they celebrate their 50th anniversary. got American Rocker. Uh, yes. Out. It just, just released. Out, out. Did you do anything exciting on the release day? Uh, I did a ton of interviews. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I worked I worked late the night before getting some videos together and they're right. up they're up and they're just doing great on YouTube at the moment. So um, yeah it was it was pretty much a working day. I made Very a big uh, I made a big pot of oysters. Steamed oh, okay. oysters with an Asian sauce that was unbelievable. I'm going to do this again. I would, I, 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 I rare, I, you know, I used to shuck, but it's too much work, you know. Right. I used to shuck the oysters. I played in the oysters and I used to shuck the oysters, <laughs> it was, but it was too much work. So I got this, this great recipe for uh, steamed oysters with an Asian uh, type of sauce, uh, soy. Soy and uh, rice vinegar and uh, oh, all good good stuff there. Ginger, cool, yeah. Delicious. So, when did this album American Rocker start taking uh, shape for you? Uh, well, this is really my pandemic album. All right. Uh, I did put out an album in the middle of the pandemic, but it already had been written before that. So, when the the pandemic and the lockdown, you know, everybody's schedule was all totally wiped out and like you're starting to think like what am i gonna do but i have lots of things to do and it was a a great relief to have time to really concentrate on my instruments and uh and writing songs you know so um i i know i i got a i got an email from uh one of the guys i used to work with in the band Oh, I'm so, uh, I I just don't have any motivation. How do you do it? Well, I got all those guitars back there. And, you know, in order for me to justify my guitar (laughs) habit, (laughs) I've got to make them talk or make up something reasonable. But uh, so then it all started to fall together with this, this album. And, uh, uh, it, it just it it was good because I could really concentrate on the the writing. This is the most writing I've ever done for an, an album. I've done this is my seventh solo album, but I'd usually you know grab a couple of cover songs or I right. do an instrumental or you know there 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 were a lot of ways to take it, but this one was totally me. I wrote all the songs, all the music for the songs. Only two of the, and a lot of lyrics too. I, I, I usually use an outside lyricist. And on this album, I use John Shirley, who's a science right. fiction writer. Tremendous. He sends me lots of great stuff. And I used an old lyric from my writing partner in the 70s, uh, Helen Wheels. Right. A song called Catherine uh, that she gave me decades ago. And sadly, she passed away in 2000. 
but uh, but that song was calling me. It's one of those things, you know. The, sometimes the song's got to come out. Doesn't right, right, matter, right. you know. Doesn't matter, um, you know. It just has to come out, and so, so that was that was good. Yeah, was it was because of the pandemic and the time you had time to kind of yeah chill out yeah. and dig into yeah. you know, but all all of it I was I was looking at that there's really this that one old lyric, but everything else was written brand new from scratch right, um, cool. and uh, I just kept thinking about you know uh, how lucky how lucky I was to be in a very famous band in the seventies and eighties. And you know, when, when our hit song, don't fear the reaper, did they know that song in in New Zealand? There's a very famous version of it by a band called the mutton birds here. Oh, I looked at it. It was recorded in the early nineties. Now I I moved here in 94 and I found out about it. Don McGlashan is the main guy in the band. Yes, yeah, so w- oh, I will definitely know out. about "Don't Fear the Reaper." Absolutely. Oh, well, good, good. I don't want to, you know, be talking about this this iconic song. Like, <laughs> what is that? You know, but uh, um, so we had some tremendous years. You know, from the when the the hit, when you have a hit song, of course you you move up uh, in the billing on the big shows. And we right. did stadiums. We did Madison Square Garden. We did all the, you know. I think I saw uh, you guys at Rich Stadium in Buffalo. That was a good show. With Skinner <laughs> and yeah. Nugent and Stars. That's, That's And I one. just talked to Ted Nugent the other day. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Crazy. I, 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 yeah, it was big, awesome. Big fireworks display at the end, too. That was another. Uh, that That show was what can i say that was that was that was that was wow you know and uh you know a lot of a lot of my friends because i'm from upstate new york came and and uh yeah i remember that show very well don't remember all the others but that one i definitely that was a good that was a keeper definitely is a big big move you know big stadium beautiful day uh oh oh my god so I remember, I, I remember you guys did Stairway to the Stars, and there was like lasers and stuff. And then you yeah, have a reference yeah, yeah. to Stairway to the Stars in in the Golden Age. So that, you know, bringing it back to the new album. Tell me about writing that song. Out on tour in the seventies, not sure about the duration. I actually had the music for uh, with different lyrics on it, but right. uh, the the situation was uh, I don't know if she it's a long story. It's a long story. Uh, I got an I got my my I'll, I'll tell you the story. You got time? Please do. Yeah, we got all the time <laughs> my, you need. My manager got an email from some promoter in Hong Kong, and the idea was that they're going to have me. Me personally, not Blue Oyster Cult, not my Bouchard brothers, but right. they wanted me to be the headliner at this charity event. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, come on, this is a 
this is a scam or something. This is, this is like the Nigerian prince who's going to give you a million dollars. So I looked it up, and there was really a legitimate charity in Hong Kong. And I'm thinking, well, I, I used to teach at a very nice private school here in Connecticut. And some of my students were Asian, and I know they came from very wealthy families. So I'm thinking, well, maybe one of my students hooked up with her 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 grandmother, who's the head of this thing, and you know, just I wanted to believe. Right. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> to believe. So I had this music, and I said, ah, I'm going to write a song that's going to be number one, because <laughs> they, you know they got all that money, you know, crazy rich Asians, you know, and. <laughs> I really want to believe. I got a lawyer to to call it the the oh my 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 partner's uh, nephew is an international lawyer, and they're looking they're looking at all of this, and then then they offered me more money than I wanted. They said we want you to bring all your friends too, and they would tell you what room you're going to stay in in the hotel, everything you know. Right. So it's it's but it's still smelling bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's still smelling bad. Something, something's not right. And right. so what I should have done at first was to Google Hong Kong scam. And I came right. up with <laughs> what I found was unbelievable. There, there was some, there's a TV program called uh, um, America's Best Singer or something. And she was given this exact same thing, a charity function. And here's the scam because you want to figure out, well, if they send you a deposit, you know, you're going to go and, you know, get a ticket and go to the plane and all that. But what they do is there's a three day wait on, 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 uh, on, on clearing checks, international checks. So, right. uh, and that's the scam. They, they right. make up some, some, some crazy, uh, um, you know, uh, crazy situation where you you have to send the money right back because you know people yep, are going to yep. die of covid if you don't send the money right back and then <laughs> next thing you know you're out ten thousand dollars out of your uh, account you know yeah so and the, the song was really good the song was really good i i was talking to um uh my drummer uh mickey curry uh i know mickey's been to new zealand with right. brian adams and uh but I, I'm so lucky that, you know, I said, what's it like to go to Hong Kong? And he says, well, it's a 14-hour flight. I said, but you can go direct? All right. You know, and I'm, I'm planning this. I'm going to bring my friends. And then I said, oh, no, it's a scam. And I just, you know, the, the gig wasn't going to happen. So right. I should have I Googled it first. I mean, there, sure. was a, there was another one in Tokyo. There was, you know, the, these kind of things that. They had some motivational speaker was supposed to do something and found out it was a scam. Um, it was very clever, and I have no idea why they picked me. But anyway, right. make a long story longer. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> to make a long story longer, I started saying, well, I got to write something. What should I write for this thing? And in, that, in the golden age, you know, how it was in the golden age, you know. And I said, oh, this is starting to get interesting. And uh, the words just came out. I mean, the bridge of that song is kind of like the the Hong Kong thing. That's why it has the dragon, the fly, the dragon in it, and you got to have a little bit of that, little bit of right. mysteriousness, you know, 
um, I mean, there's laser shows and fireworks and all of that in that song. It's, it was fun to write, you know, I, the most fun I can remember. And then cool. the whole uh, idea of the uh, album really gelled when I got this painting from uh, this artist, Alan Ayers. I told right. Alan, I want to look like I looked in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a brilliant artist. He does a lot of book covers, you know, romantic book covers with the, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, but he also did um, Bridges to Babylon for the Stones. Oh, he did okay. Stones cover, yeah. And uh, and then then the sort of the idea of the the whole album so, sort of gelled around. Well, gotcha. you know, I'm I'm a, you know a pretty ripe old guy by now. I shouldn't even be doing this. I should be in the old folks' home, you know, yeah, well. watching binge watching uh, <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm out there rocking out. Thinking about go. the best times of my life. And, cool. uh, you know, it made for a great theme, you know, and all uh, you're right about what you know. And, uh, yep, yep. yeah, and, uh, it, it, it's, it's really a down to earth, good sounding album, nicely yep. mixed and all of that. So under what conditions did you record the thing? Cause everybody these days, you know, with COVID and everything there, some aren't in the studios, everybody's doing it remotely blah 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 how, how did you do uh it? well i did uh, demos of everything here and then mickey curry the drummer yep. would come over and he listened to everything you know and make some suggestions and then we go to his studio he's he's got a friend that has a studio in west haven connecticut and it's great because he he's been there you know he is one of his oldest friends in the area and uh and you know it, it was just like old home in the studio. Right. So we do all the drums in the studio. Then I bring all the drums back here, finish up what I have to finish up. And then uh, for this album, I sent it out to be mixed by this guy, Steve Hardy, who right. uh, did some of my brother's albums and uh, does a tremendous job, just tremendous. And uh, it, yeah, it, it, and I can remember celebrating when we were over at the studio recording the drums, like, Wow, this is the first time we were out. We went to the diner. It was the first time we'd in two years we oh had been God. able to sit in a restaurant, right. you know. Right. Uh, of course, you know, still still complicated since then, you know. And you know, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's not completely out of the woods yet. But we're, we're gonna there. go and play some shows this summer. We're going up to Canada. I have a band called Blue Coop. We'll be going right. to Canada and doing a tour up there. And then uh, my brother and I have a band called the Bouchard Brothers. Right. My partner plays uh, electric guitar in that. It's mostly uh -huh. an acoustic uh, story show. We do, gotcha. we do the stories behind the songs. And we're going to Scotland and then England and then France. So it's going to be a interesting. That's in August. Gotcha. It's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting summer. Knock on wood. <laughs> now getting back to the album there's a track yeah. uh, called love out of thin air yeah which i kind of like and i yes, thought you might thanks. there's it sounds like there's some horns in there as well yeah I, I i play oh, let's see right up there there's my horns <laughs> ah yeah
know, I, 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 I start out with, you know, uh, uh, you know, samples of horns and then I put the real horns on there and it really comes to life. So I've been, I've been obsessed with brass instruments for the last couple of years. And, right. and during the pandemic, I had pr- time to practice because it's, right. it's a very demanding instrument. And get I played on my shape. brother's, yeah, get my <laughs> lip in shape. I was the worst trumpet player in high school. Uh-huh. I would always, you know, I always wanted, we, we had some good players in our high school band, right. you know. And then I played for like one semester in college, I played trumpet. But then I just said, no, I can't can't do right. this well i was pretty good in high school until i got hit in the mouth with a baseball oh and I my tooth out and that was the end oh. of my career <laughs> you so you played a horn in, in high I school trumpet yeah cornet. trumpet oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean everybody wants to be louis armstrong don't you sure. yeah. <laughs> uh or miles davis you know yeah absolutely but uh i would i would go and uh practice along with videos these days so you can and you got the speed control Right. on on youtube so you just hit the slow slow down uh miles davis half speed and i'm i'm okay <laughs> yeah well there's quite in the early 70s you know you had blood sweat and tears and chase and yeah and all these horn bands playing and it, you know it was a, it was it was cool for a short while yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah brass is good brass are there horns good. on conspiracy as well that song yeah 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 oh that one i really wanted to go like full motown Well, of course, I had this, this title, The Swamp of Crazy. <laughs> Conspiracy, Swamp of Crazy. And, yep. of course, it's in the news all the time. Uh, and, yeah, that one, that one, I had different lyrics for that. But those, see, the, what you, the nice thing about having the time to write an album is I could go and I could take the time and say, well, is that really the best lyric for this song? And then... Mm-hmm the conspiracy thing just like came together and like, Oh yeah, this is it. You know, you know, with the horns blasting away and the drums like smashing, you know, and just, you know, that exciting, you know, kind of Motown-ish sound, you know, and of course it's a very serious subject, you know, because the conspiracies are, are, they're out of control. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have them here as well. Oh. It's universal. It feels like I, I, don't know I what guess. Happens. Well, I think it's 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 uh, it's uh, social media. You know. Yeah. Anybody can say anything, and if yep. you say it enough times, people start believing it. And oh my god. Well, <laughs> it's interesting. We'll see how it all pans out. Yep. 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 Yeah. Now the the album closes out with a tune called "Hey There, Susie Dear." Yes. Who's Susie? Hey there, hey there, Susie dear, where you been so long? Hey there, hey there, Susie dear, yesterday has come and gone. Hey there, hey there, Susie dear, where you been so long? Hey there, hey there, Susie dear, yesterday has come and gone. Come and gone. Is one of the characters in the song that I wrote, uh, co-wrote for Blue Oyster, called, called Astronomy. 
Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I was really lucky with that because that got covered by Metallica and they're huge all over the world. It it changed my life, you know? Yeah. So, and every time I, I performed astronomy, whether it's with a band or acoustic, uh, I would say, you know, wonder about Susie. And then there's Carrie nurse and then there's Desdenova and there's all these characters and no, nobody told me Sandy, Sandy Perlman, our manager wrote the lyrics, but he never told me who these characters really were. Right. So I, I've been struggling that one I've been struggling with for a while uh, that I wanted to write about Susie. And uh, this one is the most up. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, you know, dark about this. I'm going to, I'm going to really, uh, you know, kind of put some who stuff in it. And, you know, some, yeah, somebody said it sounded like the Ramones, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dum, I've dum, heard the Ramones dum, and dum. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, somewhere, somewhere between the who and the Ramones is okay with me, you know. Well, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned the Ramones. So when the cult was happening, you know, you guys started out in like 72, which is mm-hmm. very, it was all kind of glammy and years. blah, 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 and, yeah. and all that. And then, what? so when the punk thing happened, did it affect you guys as a band? Did you think about, are, are we being left behind? Do we have to change our sound? Um, maybe we got a little edgier, but not much. You know, right. we were always pretty, you know, you know, uh, structured and and you know tried to play as best we can we didn't right. intentionally try to play play punk right. uh, but energetic was you know we we did a lot of things that were energetic we love the ramones in fact they opened a couple of our shows yeah but our fans hated them <laughs> <laughs> i feel bad and and you know they they were really nice guys yeah oh man joey joey is Last time I talked to him was at a theater and he was, he was pretty happy and he was happy to talk to me, which was great, you know? Right. So we had a, you know, a little thing, but yeah, we, you know, I mixed their monitors one night. Okay. (laughs) I did not do a good job. I said to the monitor mixer, let me just mix the monitors for these guys. (laughs) There's a show in uh, Poughkeepsie. Uh, with yeah, what was I doing there, there with the monitor board, where I shouldn't have been? But anyway, right, I had right, the best seat. I had the best seat in the house, though. For the I'm show. sure you did. So, so yeah, that was yeah, they were they were they were a band to see. They come around yeah. every year. You know, you just catch them. Crazy. Yep. yep. Good stuff. Yeah. Very good. Um, so now I have to ask you because I saw speaking of Blue Oyster Cult, they're doing some kind of 50th anniversary reunion. Yeah. Well, not reunion, but thingy and i think albert's taking part in some of that yeah are you interested in being a part of that i i'm i'm interested but i have not heard anything from the management so really yeah put me out the pasture sounds like you're on pretty good terms with everybody (laughs) yeah well um uh i'm waiting we'll see what happens (laughs) okay i'm waiting we'll see what happens you know i hope hope it it happens you know um though first three albums were you know i was a big part of those yeah yeah albums, yeah but but it's really their thing they 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 i i don't know what what they're thinking you know uh i know i tried to submit some songs for their last studio album 
uh, and they were pretty good songs. I've used them on my solo albums, you know. Right. Um, but they they wanted to do more stuff with the current touring band, and right. I can see that, you know. Yep. 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 They 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 put in decades of work. Sure. And uh, you know, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, fifty years—it's—it's it's some. I mean, if nothing else, it's for the fans, you know. I mean, That's what I say too. I think, I think they should really do right for the fans. But I am not in a position to, to make a decision on that. But right, every, gotcha. every, you know, I, I sat in with them oh two years ago on Halloween. Maybe it was three years ago at this point on Halloween, and I wanted to do like more Halloween type songs, but they said no. You just do one song, okay. <laughs> But it was good. It was a good I'm one. Sure song. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I'd sat in a couple other times and then maybe I was a little nervous, but the last time was the best performance I'd ever done of a signature song that I used to sing uh, hot rails to hell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so that was good. So who knows? That's a great song. <laughs> Still talking about it, you know, 49, 50 years later. Yeah, man. You know, I thought so, if it lasted three years, I'd be happy. Yeah. If we were, well, the music business is a very different place these days than it was oh, in yeah. 1973 or whatever it was. Uh, what's your opinion about how things have changed? How do you look at it? Well, uh, at least I can afford to do my albums now. Back right. then, I couldn't pay for an album, you know? Yep. And uh, it wasn't even a good idea to pay for your own albums. You always wanted to have the record company. And then, of course, over the years, you've everybody's seen how the record company <laughs> takes their pile of flesh yep. <laughs> out of the top of the pot. Um, so, uh, no, I think it's pretty good now. I mean, I, uh, it, it would be nicer if I was as popular as uh, Kate Bush. Well, number one, know. she's number one. It just goes you to know. show you just got to wait around. You got to, you got to, got to wait it out. You got to do good yeah. work. Yeah. You got to do inspiring work, and yeah. then uh, the next thing you know, you're number one on Spotify. Right. <laughs> it'll be the it'll be the biggest year she's ever had by yeah, far. Definitely. You know. And so, uh, how is your your year looking? You, you told me you're going to do some touring with yeah. Blue Coop and blah blah blah. But yeah. what else are you thinking about working on? Oh, you know, I don't know. I'm helping my brother with his third double album. My brother oh, cool. just turned just turned 75 years old, right. and he's working on his third double album in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but so. Um, I, I played a show with him back in January. Uh, it's got a great band, and uh, and the the three albums of the Imagino Saga, which is a, a right, you know, a redo of uh, an old Blue Oyster Cult album. But then yep. he's taking it to like whole new levels, like new mountains to climb, you know, with this stuff. And uh, I'm I'm glad to be helping him with that. And then uh, I don't know. Probably do another record. We want to do a Bouchard Brothers record. Uh, we're not sure what's going to be on that now. Uh, I know Albert's current project is going to go into twenty twenty three, and I'm thinking maybe I should write a book. You know, there you go. You know, so if you did write a book, the American kind of Rocker speaks. <laughs> what kind of what kind of stories would you tell? Oh, oh my God, that's a good question. 
I probably have to write three or four different books. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I love, I read all the biographies of right. music biographies. You know, I'm reading uh, uh, Stephen Van Zant. you know, Miami Steve, right. his book. And I read Chris Hillman's book. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but, but then again, you gotta, you gotta be able to craft the story just right. So. Sure. I don't know. And, I, I, and I, I have, imagine that. There's probably stories you can't tell as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, you'd have to check with the lawyer first. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, what what keeps you guys going? I mean, you guys are in your seventies now. You're all still mm-hmm. out there doing it, and you know, I don't you're know. supposed to be retired and sitting at home having you a cup know, of tea. I think, I think, yeah, yeah, but but like I said, you know, um, I, I really enjoy playing. I, I've always enjoyed playing, but I'm s- still enjoying it, you know, and. Uh, you know, it's my, it's my dream to be able to do this and and it doesn't feel like work. I mean, I've done some jobs that were work right? (laughs) in my day, but, uh, this is, seems very natural. You know, I'm very excited about, uh, being able to sit down here in the old music room and right. So what what was your earliest rock and roll experience? What, what was the spark that got you going? Oh, was there a record that, or a TV thing or Yeah, radio? well, we loved making music. I guess there were some, we, we grew up in a small town, so my uncle was a jazz musician. Uh-huh. So he was like a weekend warrior. He'd play, right. you know, old swing music. He played yep. swing. And uh, they always seemed to be the happiest guys in town were the guys <laughs> on the bandstand, you know. Yeah. And everybody's dancing and having a good time. So I got into it really early, you know, in the early 60s, before Beatles, pre-Beatles. Right. We did songs by The Ventures, right. which was instrumental music, so because we didn't, you know, we were too shy to sing. Yep. But but then of course the Beatles and the Stones came along and we had to learn to sing. And I love the Beach Boys and the harmonies, all of that. Love that that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I was we. I did my first gig when I was ten, on the sidewalk in front of my uncle's house, and he had all these great guitars. And God bless him, he he would let us borrow his Gibsons. And then he bought a Fender Jazzmaster the uh, first year it came out, you know. And yep. he let us use that, and we'd all plug into one amp, you know. And, right. But we got we got tips. So somebody said, put out a hat on the sidewalk and people walking by because it was a like a resort area with uh, summer cottages and people would like throw, you know, dimes and nickels and quarters in the, in the hat. We must have made like 50 cents. <laughs> we were <laughs> rich. Just, it's just like it's more than you get from a Spotify uh, thing. Somebody. Yes, true. That's true. <laughs> Well, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, and what what drew you to the bass? Well, I I played, uh, I was a piano major in college. Right. I studied classical piano for four years. Um, and uh, I think the last two years of college, I got in this band where I was, a, it was a jazz, Latin jazz band. Uh, really nicely, a nice band, really organized. They had charts. So I learned right. to read charts. 
and uh, and and those two years, I, so I had two years experience on playing bass, and you know played all the you know jazz hits of the day, I guess. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know if I would have stayed with bass if I hadn't gotten the phone call from my brother. Right. He calls me up in the middle of the night. We want you to join the band. It's not working out with the old bass player. So we need somebody new. And we decided that you're the guy. So, <laughs> and a special added bonus. We're going to do a tour with Led Zeppelin. Well, so you got to go. get here right, right away. <laughs> so I left my summer job after I graduated, you know, my summer job on Martha's Vineyard. Drove Labor Day weekend. The worst traffic that I'd ever seen, experienced in my life. Got to the band house and I said, I'm ready for the tour. Let's go. And he says, well, it's not happening. And as it was, Led Zeppelin, uh, except for a few exceptions in the very early days for them, they'd never had an opening act. It was always just one act, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... uh, so, and then that same week they got dropped from their record label. And I said, okay, guys, we're going to make was this, this when happen. They were soft, soft white underbelly still? Or? Well, they, they, they were soft white underbelly, but they had a transitional name uh, called right. the Stock Forest Group. So officially okay. I joined when it was Stock Forest, the Stock Forest <laughs> Group. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then one year later we auditioned for Clive Davis at right. Columbia Records, and uh, he signs us. What do you think Clive saw in you guys? Because he's the guy, you know. I mean, they're raving about him these yeah. days. Their documentaries well, are made about him. We were we were young, enthusiastic, you know. Uh, yep. We we our audition was in the conference room at 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 the Big Black Rock, the Columbia Records building, you know. Right. And it wasn't like we had our fans there cheering us on. No, there was like. They took the tables out of the way. We set up all our equipment at the end of the conference room. And uh, there were like seven chairs at the end of the room. And there were like a couple of executives. And, and I, I I heard that Patty Smith was there, a few people. Oh. Harry Nilsson was there. Right. Bobby Columbi from Blood, Sweat, and Tears was there. Right. And uh, we played five songs. So what you did know? you play and, for him? Uh, oh. Well, we played four originals and we played a cover, a Beatles yeah. cover of a song called Bad Boy. Right. I, I think we might have played City Sound Flame with rock and roll. That might have been uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and he liked I, I heard that Clive really liked uh, uh, Donald's song, which is uh, <clears throat> Then Came the Last Days of May. I was hoping it's, you were going to say that. It's like Then my Came the Last Days of May. Yeah. <laughs> I Still love that played song. all the time. Um and who knows? I think also another thing I found out is that when Clive wanted to sign Led Zeppelin. Right. And at the last minute, Peter Grant, their manager, decided to go with Atlantic Records. Right. Yeah. So I think that that uh, uh, Clive might have signed us because, well, you know, I don't have any of that heavy music, you know. So it might have been. Just a right, random right, right. thing, you know, like he didn't get Zeppelin. So, okay, we'll take Blue Oyster Cult. Not a bad, okay. not a bad trade-off. Yeah. Columbia is not a bad label. My, 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 my favorite band is Mata Hoople. They were on Columbia. Oh, the same yeah. Time you guys were. yeah. Yeah. Ian Hunter. 
He just God turned 83. I know. Yesterday. I know. <laughs> I, I, I have a story about Ian. I oh, met please. him at the, I, I met him at the magazine store. I used to live in the Northwest corner of Connecticut. And I went to this magazine store and there's Ian Hunter. And I think he was getting like the international papers so he could read the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the British news and stuff. So I said, Ian, it's Joe from Blue Oyster. And he's, oh, Joe the, Joe the Oyster. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me his phone number. Oh, great, you know. And then after that Metallica thing happened with astronomy, the cover, I, I said, well, I got to write more songs. So yeah, I yeah. called, it was like right after New Year's, I called up Ian. I said, how would you like to go down to Neil Smith's house? Because Monday nights we had this writing, this writing band. We write songs. And, you know, maybe you can help us with the song. He says, oh, sure. So I went and picked him up at his house. We drove down to Neil's. And, you know, and I say, you gonna you want to jam with us? He says, I don't jam. I don't jam. <laughs> okay. He says, I'm just going to observe. So he ends up co-writing four songs with us. Nice. And the nice thing too was I would have this 40 minute drive from his house to Neil's house. So he'd be telling me all these stories about yeah. how he wrote this and, you know, what, what do you think I should do? You know, because I'd never had a lesson in how to write a song. So, right. You know, just in conversation, he'd be telling me, you know, I, I worked with Mick Ronson and, you know, yeah. Mick didn't really like to write very much, you know, and, but we did write a couple of songs and they said, if you want to write good songs, you got to put in the time, you know? Yeah. And if you work all day on a song and you only get one word, it was worth it. So those, that echoes in my head sure. as I'm yeah, working yeah. on, as I'm working on this album and thinking, okay. I'm going to find that word if it takes me all day, you know? <laughs> so it's, it, you can, you can say, well, you know, the, 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 the muse has to, you know, a pro, you know, has to come follow yeah. you has to like a bolt of lightning, you know? Right. And that does happen occasionally when you're, especially when you're young, I guess. Um, but uh, most of it is hard work and yeah. Yeah. just not, Working on it, working on it, working on it until you feel like every bit of the puzzle is maximized, you know. So I learned that from from Ian. He's a great guy. I get to yeah. see him every once in a while. I know some <laughs> of the people in his band. And cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Well, that's I, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna say? I was gonna say. I actually saw him without his without his glasses on. Sunglasses. <laughs> I was shocked. He invited me in for dinner one night. And we were coming back from here. And he said, here, here, you want some shepherd's pie? I said, sure. And his wife yeah. is so nice, Trudy. And uh, he took, took off his sunglasses. I oh. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah. oh man. All righty. Yeah. Well, big news. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So thank it's you good. for telling me all these well, stories. Well, uh, well, thank you uh, for reaching out, you know. My um, pleasure. I hope American Rocker does the deal, you know. I mean, going to blow Kate Bush off the charts. You never know. <laughs> Anything can happen. Come on yeah. down to New Zealand when you get a chance. Bring the band, I would love to. I would love yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. You, can, you can you can jam with Don McGlashan and do your Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> I'd love to do that. What's what was the name? The the, the Muffin Men? Uh, the Mutton Birds. Mutton Birds. I was going to say Muffin yep, Birds. Yep. <laughs> Mutton Birds. All right. Yep, yep, I'll look yep. that Check up. it out. See what you think. Thank you It's a so pretty much. good version. Yeah. It's, it's they, thrilled they talk, put their own talking on to it. A, a whole new part of the world that uh, is <laughs> it's new to me, you know. Right. So there's always something new out there, you know. Yeah, that's a fact. Thank you so much.